Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. We have a special segment today. We are talking with Kristen Clanton, who was born and raised on the swamp in Tampa, Florida. She traveled west for a while, earning her MFA from the University of Nebraska. Her poetry and short fiction have been published in numerous journals, including Arcana, Blaze Vox, South Florida Poetry Journal, and Sugar House Review. And she has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize. She currently teaches English and writing at a boarding school in Maine, which I think is like really neat. <laughs> um, so, but so hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, and we have you on today because we, um, you have a novel coming out called The Swallows. And uh, it's it's really interesting because you um book wise publishing wise are the only fiction books that we've done that isn't all of you blake so this is really exciting yeah it definitely is i'm super excited about it um i've loved the whole process of working on the the book and it's been a really wonderful experience Can you tell us um, a little bit about your book and um, kind of what it's about and how it relates to um, magic? Sure. Um, so I have, gosh, I have always been interested in horror writing and ghost stories since I was a very small kid and have been writing those kinds of stories for a long time. And I think a lot about how myths become compounded as they become reinterpreted. Um, and so as we were moving west, my, my husband and I, we ended up in Rapid City, South Dakota, which is right in the Black Hills. And the layered myths of that part of our country are, are pretty just isolated in that area. And they're so fascinating. And so I was thinking a lot about how these myths can relate to what's happening in that area right now, and then how to put kind of a girl's perspective on it who is kind of coming of age and coming into her power and her own personal experience and how that can play out through like kind of um, poverty and struggling areas of our country. So magic wise, Pearl Adler is the main character and she has always kind of had a strong intuition, but as she's moved into this area of the country, um, into these black mountains where it's kind of like, everybody knows there's ghosts there. Everybody knows that they're living on land that's not really theirs. Um, everybody is fully aware of kind of the experience that's happening next to them and not like in their standard interactions in life. And so Pearl being already like, super sensitive to that can has gained a ton of power living in this area and 
um, a series of deaths start happening where single women, single mothers who live in the area um, are starting to die in different ways. And the local police, which is not well-funded at all, um, just believe that they're suicides and the people who live in the town just believe that they're suicides because it's a lot easier for them to accept that than to actually like reflect and look on their own community and the experience that they're having. So it's through Pearl and her connection to other women in the community who like um, have a strong belief in magic and have a strong belief in the spirit world, um, how they kind of work together to to solve this issue and to help these women cross over into um, the next life. What's interesting is something you said about how they're all fully aware that they are living in this place. And what's really interesting is that um, I think there that hyper awareness does make it so much easier to ignore a lot of or to have a blind eye to a lot of the ugly and the grotesque because there's so many of these little like realistic realistic we all know them we all have seen them these kind of grotesque aspects of the town and everyone is fully aware and everyone just chooses not to deal with it and i think that is um a really interesting backdrop for the whole story. Yeah, I think that's like a, just a huge facet of, of at least my, my life and like the experience of like a ton of the kids that I work with um, and just teaching and my friends. It just seems like um, when something is well known and every, like when everybody knows it and they all know it's weird, but nobody will say, hey, this is wrong. They just kind of, mutually accept the experience and bury their head in the sand and it's easy for them to like reconcile that because there's so many other people who are doing the exact same thing. Pearl is very relatable and at first when you're like okay this book um, has you know this young woman um, this teenager your first thought is oh am I going to relate to Pearl, but you fully do because Pearl has been parentified. She has the mind of a much older person and um, she's very intuitive and she's very uh, perceptive and she sees things for what they are. And when she doesn't, you watch her realize things for what they are. And she's very, very, very relatable. Um, you know, I grew up, uh, with a, you know, single mom with a little brother who I like, you know, who I like raised. Um, we were very impoverished, very small town where, you know, these men like ruled everything. And so I think anyone who has grown up in like a similar situation will 100% recognize like uh, this world that Pearl is living in and how, um, I, you know, there was one scene, you know, where when we were first going over the, um, uh, you know, uh, original draft, Pearl had this really big moment, this really like huge life altering moment. And I remember saying to you, I was like, I'm so sad. There's no one that like, that she's all alone. And, but that's real. That's realistic for a lot of people in Pearl's situation. Every big life moment is alone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. It's like, you know, the biggest moments in our lives usually happen behind closed doors and they're, um, they're, and especially if they happen when you're young and you don't have the language for them yet, they become difficult to understand. And like, you, you have to feel those experiences, um, like kind of feel your way through the dark of, of them. And, um, you're responding intuitively and emotionally. And I think that she, in a lot of ways, like that's always her initial reaction. And then she kind of flips into, to the perspective of like being this role model in this, maybe not role model, but kind of this figure of permanence for her brother. And so when she has to do that, she becomes, it's, it's easy for her to set aside her own feelings and like, kind of like, walk straight ahead and just keep moving towards like what she has to do. And I think that is something that is really relatable um, to, to a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Especially that idea of when you have someone on rely, you know, when you have someone relying on you, a lot of your, a lot of your emotion kind of takes the back seat and you're really driven on pure instinct. Uh, so it's uh, what's really also great about the story is that we do have, um, you know, the mothers like you said earlier, the story uh, takes place in this town where we have these single women who are um, dying. And also, I just want to s- say for anyone out there, there is no graphic assault. There is no nothing like that. Like, I don't want anyone to think that like you're good, that like that's what you're walking into. It is completely trigger safe. You are good. Uh, But, you know, we do have um, these women who, while in the story they are of the past, they are very much in the present for us, the readers. And um, there's a scene which I swear, like, as I was reading it, uh, it could have been a painting. And there is a scene of all of these women who have passed and they're all standing in a kitchen and you have Pearl who is coming into her power, who is being aware of these women. And she sees them at like these different little stages of existence. And it was, it's such a beautiful moment that I think I wrote somewhere. I was like, if this is ever filmed, this is the scene that needs to be filmed or if it's ever painted or drawn, like this is it. Cause it really is. Um, so beautiful. Uh, what's interesting, though, can you explain a little bit about like Pearl's magical uh, situation? Um, sure. So she she has the ability to kind of know what's going to happen before it happens, and it's kind of like it was easy before this to her for her just to say it's her intuition. Um, but as she's come into the swallows, like you see her intuition building, but through her dreams, like her dreams are what begin to translate, um, like the ghost world into her actual reality. And through her dreams, she's able to see what is going to happen next. And the ghosts, the the women who are the ghosts were, were all friends in life. Um, which is another layer to this kind of perspective that, oh, well, they, they must have, um, 
they must have done suicide um, because they all knew each other. They were all friends. They all communicated. But these women have have they're stuck here. They're stuck in this area because there's something that is keeping them there, but they can't figure out what it is. And from for half the book, they don't even really remember their own deaths. They just know that they're together and um, their relationship together is is um, I mean, it was really fun to write. They're all women. They, they all started as women who are women I know in different stages of my life who helped me. Um, so it was fun to put them together. But Pearl's able to see them. She's the only one who can see them. Um, she's able to communicate with them. And because of that, she becomes tasked with being this person that helps figure out what happened to them and um, what their experience was. And then the woman who runs the diner where her mother works at her name is um rose and she is um has a lot of connections to to magic in the spiritual world through her ancestors um and so those two together kind of start to figure it out even though um pearl's power is much stronger than well rose doesn't really have any power she just has like um history and practice and belief um and personal strength that that supports Pearl and helps her become stronger and kind of transcends her experience. So can I ask, do you have a favorite character? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, oh, you know, I love Benny so much because he is like, when I read Benny and when I write Benny, like he's kind of, it's a terrible thing, but he's kind of like Pearl's albatross. Like he's this weight in her life that she has to care for, but he's also like this lightness and grace for her because he's so funny and he reads situations in the same way she does. And like towards the end of the book, she starts to realize, you know, Benny knows more than, than I thought he did because she was so stuck in her own thoughts. Like most of us are when we're dealing with like major experiences that we have to resolve. Like she's kind of not really paid attention to who Benny is all this time. She's just kind of paid attention to caring for him and making sure he's safe. But he, he himself gains a lot of strength um, in the book and his, if he has powers or abilities like Pearl, they're, they're still in the gray area because it's really not Benny's book. But I think today, um, today I really love Benny and um, I really like Henshaw um, who's, who runs the boarding house. Um, he's like stoic and he's in this like mourning period of his, of his life. And he's like kind of this reluctant caregiver. I don't know if caregiver is even the right word, but he's like reluctantly kind because he's naturally a kind person, but he doesn't want to be anymore. He like wants to keep to himself. Um, and I, and I really like Rose too. She, she's somebody who's been a lot more nuanced in the process of, of writing her. She's a character. I feel like that I got to know as I, as I got to work on the book. It's funny because I've had a little fan theory about Benny. Uh, and it's definitely that he has power similar to uh, Pearl, but he's just a, he's a, you know, he's a little baby. He's a little child. So like, it's not going to be to her level, but I definitely have, I definitely think that like Benny, <laughs> I also love Benny very much. I think my favorite character is Henshaw. 
um, the, you know, the boarding house guy, uh, just because of how I grew up, like, you know, growing up in a really small town, uh, where a lot of people aren't very kind, uh, but like the kindest men were the men like Henshaw who were quiet and reluctant and stoic and annoyed, but not at you, you know, like that, that is just a very, uh, recognizable figure for me uh so he's definitely i think my favorite right now uh i just i don't know there's something really safe about people like henshaw i think yeah i i i completely agree with that you know it's it's weird like you know when you come from a background that you know isn't the best and it's definitely not one with privilege um you find people and not even like purposefully, but you find people in your life who carry you through that stage, you know? Um, and so I, I think about, I think about that a, a lot too. Like, how do I pay, like as a writer, my, one of my favorite writers is Czesław Miłosz. She wrote a lot about Poland um, during World War II. And you read his collected poems and they seem just rich with imagery and atmosphere and feeling. And then there's footnotes, right? And so you go to the back of the book and read the footnotes and you're like, uh, this was a letter that he found when he went back to one of his like neighborhood friends houses after his family was taken um, to the concentration camps. And it's like the, the story behind the poem is so much more just it just kind of builds off the page and it's so historically relevant and so he believed that a writer's role is to give space for the dead more than anything and so I ever since I started writing I mean I, I read that when I was like 16 so ever since then I've I've really leaned into that perspective and like how do you create characters that even if they were in your life for the tiniest moment in time but really like held your hand through an experience and guided you? Like, how do you pull those into your writing and, and kind of give them space in the work, you know? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, he's, he's definitely one of those uh, people who maybe wouldn't get a lot of uh, attention in terms of media so yeah he's definitely he's definitely like my favorite and I remember when I was first reading it I'm like oh no he's my favorite does that mean he's gonna be bad <laughs> because I because that always happens to me it's like <laughs> always but we actually do have some questions from some of our listeners sure uh first we have one from Kiki Kiki says, what are some methods or rituals you perform to prepare for a long writing session? That's such a good question. Um, I spend a lot of time alone when I'm working on something and I'm really trying to work it out in my head. So I go on a, a ton of walks. Um, I take a lot of notes in my, my journal of like, you know, if I do have conversations, like what they were about or, um, what um maybe some things that stuck out to me like turns of phrases or maybe the way something looked while somebody was speaking or maybe the way something looked while I was out on a walk and like so I gather all of those things and I often will go to sleep at night and I will wake up at like two o'clock in the morning just wide awake and I'll go downstairs and I will write in in the dark until the sun starts to come up and then and then I'll put my stuff away but I really like to respond to 
the immediacy that I feel about. Like if I, if I get an idea, I will, I will just drop everything and, and chase the idea. Um, so I don't know if it's as um, structured as other, other people are really good at like sitting down and writing for an hour a day. And for me, like most of my writing happens through my, and in, in my mind, like as I'm kind of gathering ideas and thoughts and then the writing itself happens very quickly. And then the editing takes a long time after that. So Shay asks, when it comes to writing, how do you feel is the most effective way of creating characters that pull the audience in? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I guess it would be twofold. Number one, um, Stephen King wrote in his on writing book about how you don't need to throw in like physical characteristics of people if they are insignificant to the development of the plot. So you're not trying to just give a full visual of who you're talking about, because really that's not relevant. What, what's relevant is what they have and who they are and how they use that to respond to the world and how that builds connection and communication. Um, so I try to keep that perspective in mind and like only develop characters in the way that are pushing the plot forward or are connecting to um, the atmosphere of the writing. And then number two is, you know, all, all people and all characters are flawed in lots of ways. When you start a big writing project, you think that it is going to go somewhere. Um, but if you just listen to your character and kind of let your character lead the way, it takes you into places that you don't, you didn't think that you would go. And sometimes it's really frustrating because um, Pearl took me down some avenues in this book where like I had to stop writing for a month just so I could think about, well, how am I going to pull her out of this situation that feels true, but does not cause harm to who she is as a person and the process that she is on? Because I didn't want her to be somebody that became a victim of her experience. I wanted her to be somebody who could figure it out and who could move past it, maybe minorly scarred or, you know, losing parts of uh, small parts of who she is that connected to who she was as, as a kid, as she's going through this like growing phase. Um, but I, I guess I just spent a ton of time thinking about who my characters were and how I could pull them through, through the text. You know, I'm a big believer that that is the um, sign that you have really good characters is when they start disrupting your plots. You know, when you're like, okay, well, I have a note here that in chapter seven, they're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. But then if the character is just not going to do that, they're not going to do that. And But that's the sign that you've got a good character, like you've established a good character. Um, I'm also not a describe the character writer because as one, like, um, have you ever read a book and like they don't describe the character until a little later? And so you have an image of the character and then they describe it and it's not what you imagined. It's really disappointing. Yes, absolutely. I hate that. <laughs> So I'm also not a character describer. Um, but yeah, I, oh man. Yeah, I, I love characters. I'm a big, uh, like, I believe when it comes to media, movies, television, books, you have plot people and you have character people. 
I am a character person. I don't care what the plot is. I don't care if they're sitting in a room peeling potatoes all day. If the characters are great, I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, But I hate like a really busy plot when I don't know the characters. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more with that. I find, yes, there's, there's certain authors who I find painfully difficult to read and I've quit their books multiple times because it was so plot driven and I had no, like, the language was like so verbose and like just so over the top where you needed a dictionary right alongside the text. But then the characters were so fragmentary and so insignificant that I couldn't invest myself into the book. And I was just like, I, I can't do this. I'm done. Can I say something that's going to turn like half the audience against me? It's my show. So that's okay. Let me tell you. I hate the Walking Dead series because I watched two seasons and I still didn't really remember anyone's names. Oh, I know. I know. There's so Who are these people? <laughs> it's oh, terrible. It is. Um, okay. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, uh, I'm sorry. I was just saying that like gory aspects of horror are difficult for me to to stomach. So Walking Dead, I did. I watched the first two seasons as well. And then I kind of tapered off because of of the gruesomeness. Um, Rima says, oh, this is a good question because I have asked this question to people before. Rima says, how do you set tone for a scene? Oh man, I love, tone is one of the most important things to me in writing. And like, even as a a teacher, like if if a story is like, the grammar is awful and like the, the pacing is odd. If the tone is consistent, like I get very excited um, about the process. So like we were just talking about media, like, and different art forms, like I think tone needs to be consistent in the ways that we kind of look at the world. So it's like, if I'm feeling a certain way, the way I'm seeing things, the way, the things that are sticking out to me, um, the thing, the things I notice on TV or, you know, notice that I'm reading, they're all going to kind of fall in line with a similar um, feel. And so I'll pull that into to my writing and I'll think a lot about how I can um, paint that picture or include different arts or different pieces that are going to affect and build the, the tone of the text. Yes. Um... Yeah, tone is really important. And I think something um, someone told me once, do not remember who, um, something someone told me once was like, if you're struggling to set tone or you're struggling to create the feeling you want to have the character uh, really focus on the physical, on like the thing, like, you know, um, the things they're touching, the things that they're hearing, the things that... um, you know, almost like slow things down and give the character a moment to kind of look around. And like when you start to see it through their perspective and maybe their thoughts or their morose or their melancholy or whatever, like that'll kind of help you get where you need to go. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. I think, I mean, that is, I I like that you said that because I always, like I have never read a story where like a character is walking down the street and their stomach growls. Like I've never had a growling stomach in a story I've ever written or like, I've never really read that in a story, but I'm like, that happens to all of us all the time. And there's so much like 
narrative just associated to that simple, like small piece of information. It's like, why haven't I ever put that into a story? Oh gosh, something similar I read and I thought it was so funny. Someone was like, if your character is eating, tell me what they're eating. I have to know. <laughs> so, yeah, I also want to know what they're eating. Me too. <laughs> oh, um, that's good. Yeah. Shay says, this is a great question. Um, what are the best ways to write with your own experience in a fictional way that is not Mary suing? And for people who are listening who do not know what Mary suing is, it's essentially the idea that you kind of create like a husk of a character to a point where it can be inserted into by anybody. Um, Bella Swan is uh, a great example of Mary suing. She's kind of the anyone reading can insert themselves and often the author are just writing themselves into the book. So for those who don't know. Oh. I love characters too, um, so much. I mean, that's the, the plot and all of that, like comes so secondary, like after the character is developed and becomes this, this person that I'm spending a lot of time with, um, that's why they start to really dictate the text. And so I guess I start, as I, as I said, with, with people I know or characteristics that they have, or like points of dialogue or conversations that I've had, um, and I follow, I follow those through, but Mary suing wise, gosh, I don't, I've never really, really thought about that before because I've always thought about my characters as, as others and not really like me. They, they're just kind of people that I've in my mind, I've spent a ton of time with more time. I've spent more time with the characters in this book in the last like year and a half to two years than I, I think I've spent with my friends, you know? So, um, I guess I avoid Mary suing by building off of an experience and giving the, the actual that happened. And then I let my character kind of dictate the direction that it's going to go into. I think that's a good, way because like we said before like when you're creating really good characters they they start to take control uh, and I do think it's natural for writers to want to insert themselves into characters my trick is I just don't insert myself into one character I like I let multiple characters be different aspects of myself so like I'll have one character who represents my optimism and another character who represents my sadness and another character will represent um when I don't, we you know, like when I give no fucks and this other character does the batshit crazy things you think about. So like, if you just like let certain characters take on different parts of yourself, you're never like Mary suing because it's not all into this one character. But oh, I hate when you feel like you're writing too much of yourself into a character. Oh, I know, so do I. I'll just quit. I mean, oh, I was writing, I got into, I went to school for poetry and I loved poetry. And then I got really into short fiction writing. And then I just got so sick of writing. Like, I felt like I was just writing the same person over and over again. And I was like, I got to pause on this. And so I went back to, to poetry writing for a really long time. And Pearl's actually the first person, like the first character I've come back to. And she is so different than the other characters that I had previously written. And I think part of it is like, like what you're saying, like putting yourself like different parts of yourself into different characters. It's like, 
being honest, like clearly honest with who you are as, as a person and like faults, like positives too, but like things and places that you're vulnerable and where you can grow as a person and like different ways you should challenge yourself. And those things can come to reality through your characters as well. And like really can become part of your process for working through, you know, different hangups that you have or different parts of your past that you're still trying to, to work your way through. Also, and this is like really niche, but like, uh, or maybe not, I don't know. But one thing um, I also really like to do, and like, this is like my big tip for just writing in general is never edit as you write, because writing you is very different than editing you. And if you merge them, it's just gonna get really difficult. But a part of of like characterization that I find is uh, if you allow yourself to just rough draft the whole thing before you ever like, you know, go back and look, by the time you go back and look, you'll start to think um, like I have um, uh, like there's a character in this um, other book that um, I'm working on and we ended up putting in that the character uh, like, you know, always tugs at her clothing because she grew up really poor and uh, she always like wears like thrifted or secondhand clothing. So they never fit quite right. And so we have throughout the whole story, she's always just kind of tugging a little bit. And um, that's something I don't think ever would have had been put in if we had been editing as like we were going through it. Um, So you can put in those fun little distinctive personality quirks into stories uh, once you have the full thing done and you know where they're going, their trajectory, their development, uh, all of that. And another thing, this is not my interview, but I'm just like, da-da-da-da-da. Um, I always like to start out characters immediately before I do any writing. Okay, what is one of their big personality flaws and what is their big personality pros? Mm-hmm. Um, and that might change as you go, but I think having some place to start maybe stops you from like hyper inserting yourself, you know? Yeah, totally. That's a really good point. I mean, cause it would, it may, it probably will change and grow and maybe that big personality flaw is going to become minor and compared to, to what happens to this character and how they react to, to a point in the plot. So yeah, that's really good. I love um, a good character list, even with the swallows. It wasn't, I have a huge character list of like who these people are and how they know each other and where they've appeared in the story. And then I mapped the entire town. Like I drew the map and if it was a new place that I was putting into it, I would put it on my map so I could see exactly how far away it is from where, like where this person is going or where this person is. So I could kind of visually see how the characters were moving within the scene and like maybe who they would, who they would know, because I mean, who works right across the street or you know, who lives next door to them. I love that. I love that. I love that you mapped that you mapped it out. That's really cool. Oh <laughs> I'm so cool. I have to like, uh, to really understand something, I have to, to see it. I have to hear it. And then I have to be able to spend time and read it. And then I have to write about it. So um, I, it's just like a full, like, just inertia like I'm just in that process in a lot of different ways I don't know if I'm just naturally if I am just a naturally melancholic person um but sometimes 
this is going to sound so self-indulgent and messed up. I love to just like lay in bed and anguish over emotional scenes that I have not written yet. Yes. I just be sick. I love that. Yes. Like spending time with your characters and you know, what's going to happen. Oh man. I Um, Oh yeah. No, uh, our last question by Kat says, uh, this is a great question. Um, I mean, they're all great questions. Uh, Where do you get your inspiration? Do you spend time letting the story marinate or just dive into writing? Oh man, I am such a marinator. I talk to my students a lot about like how, like who spends most of their time in the pre-writing phase and who spends most of their time in the editing phase, because you never spend most of your time in the writing phase. It just never happens. Not if you're like really working to, to build something that connects and that really communicates your intentions and your purpose for the piece. And um, me, I spend a ton of time in the pre-writing phase. Like I will stop if I, I feel like I'm forcing my characters to do something I do not want them to do. I will stop writing completely and take a step back and spend a few days um, thinking about it or however long it really takes. Like um, I have a ton of writer friends and they, they definitely don't do that. They bull through and they keep going and they'll, they're like, Oh, I'll just redirect it later on. But I, I prefer to like really think about the writing and, not write myself into a corner and then try to back myself out of that corner. That's, that's too tough. I think. Can I just tell you, I absolutely love talking about writing and I very rarely get to do it. Uh, so this is a lot of fun for me and I could honestly do this all day. Absolutely. But fortunately, we definitely have a time limit, but Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on and just like, talking about this story and this book, uh, it, it is definitely, um, I have to say, one of my top five favorite books of all time. Oh. I just think it is so beautiful and well-written and you're so good at, I mean, all of this I've already said to you, but you're so good at atmosphere and setting. And normally I get a little frustrated with books that are super setting-based. Um, we love Alice Hoffman and if she ever wants to come on 100%, but she's very big on setting. Um, and normally that really frustrates me because I have found a lot of books that focus really heavy on setting tend to lack the character. Um, but no, like with you, it's like both are equally built up and equally great. And I just think that's so rare. And I just, it's just so wonderful. And I love Pearl and I love Benny and, uh, I love Diane. I'm very neutral about Rose. I don't know why she's like, she's cool. (laughs) I really love, I just, it's such a good book and I'm just so excited and I am so honored that you let me work on it with you because I just do not feel worthy of how good this story is (laughs) your feedback has been so important and I mean you're the one that told me that maybe you should consider changing it to the swallows and right when you said that I was like duh like why wouldn't I because this this whole story is about this town that's like dying and the characters and so you you just um you really opened the book up and you you altered like the way like rotated the way I was seeing the text and the characters so much that um I was so glad when you came into the process because I still had 
quite a bit to, to write. And so just having conversations with you about it and seeing some of the, your feedback on the chapters was, was really helpful. And, um, it just made the process super fun. Well, it's really great. And um, it is available right now uh, for pre-order on Amazon when this podcast comes out. And <laughs> it's really great. And I, I I really hope people love it. And um, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. And it honestly, like it has been just such a good time to work on this and uh yeah and it's also wild we're both from florida i didn't know that until recently (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah do you have anything else you want to tell our listeners before um you go um i do update a blog it's www.kristenclanton.com so i put a lot of writing and things like that um on there but yeah that's it Awesome. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.